The information on this show is not intended to be the primary basis for investment decisions and should not be used to provide financial advice. Please obtain the guidance of a financial professional regarding your particular financial concerns. Past performance is not a guarantee of future results. This program reflects the views of Arif Halaby, California Insurance License 0B93792 of TFS Financial Insurance Services. TFS Financial Insurance Services, California Insurance License Number 0F22477, provides retirement income strategies using insurance and annuity products, which are guaranteed by the claims-paying ability of the issuing company. Financial security will help you live the life you dream. Learn about financial power. Total financial hey, welcome back to the show. Nice to have you here. Hey, every week at this time, we try to bring you your financial, try to bring you financial information, stuff you could use. It isn't so technical where you feel kind of, oh, I don't know, inadequate. So many of the shows these days, I was listening to one recently, and all it decided to do was to talk about how smart they are, and since you don't understand them, how dumb you must be. I thought, oh my gosh, what what, what kind of a, I don't know, what kind of financial professional, what kind of anything, right? If I'm a plumber and I come to your house to fix things, the reason you have me there is because I'm an expert in plumbing, right? It's when you fix your car and you bring it to the mechanic, you don't want him to, to use big words to you, make you feel dumb, know that you don't understand it, and then try to say, well, see how smart I am? Hey, hey, buddy, I, I kind of think you're smart. That's why I brought my car here, or that's why I had you come in as a plumber to my house. I didn't want to invite the, the dumbest guy on the team. I wanted the smartest, right? So in the financial professional world, it should be the same. It should be, listen, if you're in my office or you're in his or her office, you're there because you at least trust some level of of decision-making process. So what I want you to do and what concerns me the most as you sit down uh, and, and you're planning for the rest of the year and you're going through all of all of the financial ideas and things and resolutions and all the stuff that we do and we start and stop, uh, which I think, by the way, is very valuable. It doesn't matter if you start stop them. You can reset them every month, every week. You don't have to wait every year. But as this whole you know, election thing is heating up, let me make something pretty clear to you. I saw a, a uh, video recently from our friend AOC who says, we have to stop calling this stuff free. It's not, you know, it's, it's public money. You are getting public. This is owned by the public. And everybody claps. And I thought to myself, well, who do you think puts it in there? I mean, you realize in the state of California, what is it, 40% plus? 43% of Californians pay zero income tax. Zero. Now, you can say that's a good idea or not a good idea, or it's those rich people trying to take it. I get it. Whatever. But here's what you need to do. You need to realize that somebody is paying for it. I, I don't know. Maybe say thank you to the person next to you. Maybe say thank you to the business owner or the, quote, rich guy or gal. Because this Medicare, Medicare for all or free education, it, imagine this for a minute. You walk into a car dealership you, to buy a car. You say, hey, how much is the car? And he says, don't worry. It's going to be a fair price. You say, oh, okay. He says, it's a fair price. So just give me your checkbook. Trust me. I will take care of you. None of you would do that if you've ever bought a new or used car in your life. You know that isn't the way it goes, right? You sit down, you have a conversation, you decide, is it worth it or is it not? How much for this automobile? 
How much for this one? And you see whether or not it's close enough for you to ask some more questions or you say, you know what, it's out of my price range. No, thank you. This free education, everybody wants you to just give them a blank check. Nobody's telling you what it costs. And then if they were wrong, you understand if they're wrong, you still write the check. They say, sorry, move to North Carolina or, or uh, you know, Nevada or Florida. They move their little, little fanny off to where you are responsible for the taxes that they've created. So be very careful. You wouldn't go to a car dealership and just give them your car when they say, we buy all the cars. They say, okay, great. I want to trade in my car. They say, we will give you a fair price for that car. See, now you own the car and you're trading it in. You're giving it to them. You're just going to sell it to them. Just leave it here. We will send you the check in the mail. It's a fair price. We promise you. See, whenever the, the F word is used, the word fair, let me explain something to you. It's a, it's a reason for somebody else to subjugate you. It is an opportunity for someone to hold power over you because the word fair, when you filter it through three or four filters into your mind, do you realize that at that moment in time, well, you think it's something. And the reality is it could be something completely different. You, you see, when someone says, I'm going to be reasonable, it's like, well, what does that mean? Hitler thought he was reasonable, right? Paul Pot thought he was reasonable. Fidel Castro, they all thought they were reasonable, reasonable, fair. So you need to start asking questions of your political people. Right. You might say there's a candidate on the left or a candidate on the right or somebody here, whether it's local or state election. Ask specifics. If they cannot give you specifics, then the question is, what about their judgment? Because either they are uneducated or they're hiding something. Because financially, guys, this is your future. This is not theirs. They have set themselves up a long time ago. 888 retire That's 888-997-3847. 888-997-3847. You see, your family's financial life is, is really situated in a couple of different ways. Number one, it's who controls your money. And if there isn't any control of your money when you're alive or when you pass away, then the government takes control. So your beneficiaries on your retirement accounts, your life insurance... I would encourage you to seek the advice of an attorney for a living trust, revocable living trust. Many, many people that come to me don't have living trusts, and many that do have living trusts haven't even funded them, meaning their home is not even part of the living trust. It's just an empty shell. They spend all the money, all the time, and there aren't any assets in it. Or what about the time when you're trying to put together a financial idea? Your kids were minors. And now you have Aunt Susie, who's kind of ended up marrying a, a, her fourth husband. And I don't know, he's a little wacky. But you have him or her being in charge of everything. But the kids are grown up now. So you want to get into your living trust. You want to make some adjustments. You want to make some changes. Update the, the beneficiaries of everything. And that's going to lead you to a couple of things. Here's, let me tell you a story. It's actually... I kind of say it's funny, but funny and not in the ha-ha way, but in more the ironic way. Some of you may have heard it. 
I don't know, I've been on the air now 16 years, so I'm sure I've shared it a few times. But here, think about this. You're married when you're young, 18-year-old lady, 19-year-old young man. They get married. They're in love. They don't have any children yet, and he gets a job with the city, city of Los Angeles. Small, you know, entry-level type job. Signs up for all their benefits, and then they get a divorce. A couple years later, no children. They move on. Their own separate ways. Now, they grew up close to each other, so their, their moms were always friends. So they would always stay in touch. But as time went on, they lost touch with each other. 25-plus years have passed. They have, they've remarried. Each of them have their own children and their own lives. Meanwhile, his job at the city allowed him to grow and learn, and he matured, and he promoted, and then promoted. And he kept increasing his company life insurance. You know, the employer life insurance. He increased it so much to so where at the time it was worth 250000 Now, it's not millions, but it's a lot of money still. So $250,000. Well, what's interesting is that 250000 when he died, he never changed the beneficiary to his new wife. So the ex-wife was a client of ours. She calls up and says, hey, Arif, did you guys send me a check in the mail for two hundred? I'm like, no, I don't think. No. We didn't. What do you mean? She says, I don't know. I have this check. It's probably, you know, a fraud or something. It's probably a scam. What should I do with it? I said, well, I'm, I happen to be next to her house tomorrow. I said, I'll be driving by your neighborhood tomorrow. Why don't I just come by and take a look at it? She said, okay. So I swing by her house. I take a look at it. It looks kind of legitimate to me. I take a look. The next day I make a phone call. It turns out, it's real. Now she has the choice. She can recuse it. So if somebody is the beneficiary and they don't want the money or they don't think they deserve it or it isn't theirs, they knew what the intent of the person who passed away was, then they can recuse it. It goes back into the estate. The government decides who your next of kin would be, in this case, his wife. And then with some forms, usually she's the one that gets it. Or you can keep it. Because you see, the beneficiary supersedes everything. It's contract law. Contract law supersedes everything when it comes to his trust because it wasn't in his trust. Supersedes everything, including his marriage, because it was pre-marriage. So his wife didn't have to sign off on a beneficiary change because she never existed. Right? It was the ex-wife that was the beneficiary. So, you know, just like her, just like you, what would you do, of course, when you have 250000 tax-free coming your way, and it's, you know, kind of is not yours, right? It belongs to the ex-wife, to, you know, to the deceased, his wife, the widow. So what do you think she did? Yeah, think about it for a minute as she deposited that check into her own bank account. She said, thank you. It's mine. So she kept it. Now, listen, all of us would do something different until you're given a quarter of a million dollars in cash in your hands, maybe. Your integrity, your ethics, the way you were raised, those things kind of decide where you fit in that. And I can tell you another story of a gentleman who passed away and his sister inherited money. 
And she knew that, it, and it was $50,000 from his old retirement account. And she knew it wasn't meant for her. Her brother just forgot to add the, the new wife that had been married for maybe five or six years into that. So what does the sister do? She recused it. And it went into the state and went into the, to the uh, widow. To me, that's the honorable thing to do, but that's kind of up to you. I, I can't say each situation is, is different. I don't know. Check your beneficiaries. Use this month to be the person that goes through your beneficiaries, your husband, your wife, on your life insurance. So what has a beneficiary? What does that mean? Well, in a normal retirement account, so an IRA, Roth IRA, 401k, anything that has to do with the retirement account at work, yours, there's two big reasons to check your beneficiaries, even if you think they are fine. Ready? Number one, a new marriage. Easy enough. Did he have that job or that life insurance policy or his IRA before knowing you? Or did she have that before knowing you? If the answer is yes, then probably yeah, it's time to time to make a change. The second would be if the IRA 401k company, not his employer, but the manager of the retirement account has changed companies, right? It used to be ING. Now it's Prudential. It used to be Principal Financial. Now it's Transamerica. Okay. So in other words, there was a change behind the scenes. Why? Because not always do they carry over the beneficiaries to those accounts. I have seen it time and time again. They say, oh, no, I put my wife. Well, why does the paperwork here say no beneficiary or not designated? Okay, so please check those things. Check with your financial professionals or the companies. So you're going to check life insurance. You're going to check retirement plans of any sort. I also want you to check Something called TOD. What does that mean? Transfer on death. TOD, transfer on death. It didn't used to be allowed in California. Maybe 10, 12 years ago, they changed the rules where uh, you had to have the savings account, the, the brokerage account. Those were part of the estate and had to go through probate or, or through your living trust. Today, Bank accounts, checking, savings, certain types of investment accounts can circumvent probate by having a TOD, transfer on death provision. How will you know if you have that? Because you'll look at your bank account, bank one, two, three, it'll say Arif Halaby, TOD. So the letters TOD on file. Sometimes it'll say TOD on file. Sometimes it'll just say TOD. I still want you to check those because that means there could be a beneficiary attached to it. And is it the person you want to have? Now in California, if you don't have your spouse, if you're married, when you make a change and your spouse does not sign off on it, we're finding a lot of times that's an issue because some companies don't require that. But most companies do. Most companies say, oh, you're in California. You have to have the spousal uh, signature. Because in some cases you have his, his kids her kids, our kids, or just his kids and her kids, right? So she wants her side of the family to receive her money and he wants his side of the family to receive his money. And even though they're legally married, you're still going to want to have uh, you know, signatures on stuff and, and generally speak with a professional. 
because everybody gets along when everybody's alive. And when somebody passes away, we don't seem to get along the same. Very important you think about this. Because a big part of it is most of your financial life, you're going to have, well, let's put it this way. Today, she's your favorite child of all time, (laughs) right? You want the kids equal. I love them all. And then one of them will start having problems. One of them never says hello. One of them shows up, uh, you know, with a a boyfriend with, uh, you know, the consummate body piercings and tattoos on his forehead. And you go, "Uh oh, if that's the kind of judgment she's going to have or he's going to have, maybe giving them half or a quarter of my net worth is probably not a good thing. So you can set up trust to be the beneficiaries. You're going to speak with your attorney. Listen, there are a lot of things called trust mills, right? M-I-L-L-S, trust mill. You know, listen, maybe the trusts are done properly or not. I'm not one to judge that. But what I want you to do is to understand that there are trust mills out there, meaning they just, every one size fits all. Everybody gets one. It's $395. It Usually who gets suckered in by these things are the guys that are cheap. And you know it. You know who you are. More importantly, your wife knows that she's married to you because it's usually the guy. You're the one who thinks everybody's trying to rip you off. Everybody's got an angle. Everybody's trying to make money. Well, yeah, probably, buddy, because they have house payments and electric bills too. So, But you know, you're that person who just has to do it yourself and you end up making more work for yourself then, then, but you never admit you're wrong. Never. You just fix it and you blame everybody else. The problem is when you die and you messed everything up, it's not you that is, that's dealing with it anymore. Right? It's your wife or your kids. I remember I had a conversation with a gentleman who had five children and he drove a, a kind of a beat up pickup truck 65 miles one way to work every day. And I said, uh, and his wife worked part-time at McDonald's. So they were struggling a little bit. And uh, I said, okay, so we were working on a little bit of a plan. He had a little bit of money. We were trying to help him out and set aside. I said, first thing you need to do is get life insurance. Because if you pass away, you're going to have a wife with five children and no money. Because you're the main breadwinner. He says, why would I want to give life insurance to her? I said, well, she's your wife, isn't she? He said, well, yeah. And these are your children, aren't they? Well, yeah. I said, well... That doesn't change when you die. They still will will call you their dad. You still would have been her husband, the father of her children. Yeah, but you know what? She's just going to take the money and go off with her boyfriend. It was the first time I heard the word Sancho. I don't don't know if you ever heard of that term, but it wasn't a, I don't know. I didn't know what it meant. And I thought, wow, you think so? You think what kind of guy will come along in her life that's okay raising five children of somebody else's? You think that's an upstanding guy? Maybe. God has them out there. Or do you think he could be a predator in waiting? I don't know. But I think when you when you put your spouse into a corner like that, you, you destine them to be poor. All the way to folks that say, listen, I know I have a huge estate tax issue. We have a gentleman and his wife. They're worth probably $15 million. And depending on where the estate tax is when you die, right, it moves all over the place every few years. And I said, well, look, here's a way to do it. 
Let's meet with your lawyer. We can structure this properly. Life is good. He says, ah, it doesn't really matter to me. I said, what do you mean it doesn't matter? He said, when I die, I don't care what happens to the money. Okay, well, that's fine. I mean, let your kids raise themselves financially. That's, I'm good with that. But do you really think the state of California is doing such an admirable job, admirable job that all they need is a little bit more money and then it's good? The potholes will be fixed. The politicians will stop doing these, these trips to Vegas, right where they're sitting in the bathtubs with the, with the Chablis, maybe? Or, or do you think maybe a great charity could use your funds? You don't have to care. You, you could say your kids are son of a guns or you want them to be raising financially uh, aware grandchildren. So, so that's their problem. Let them do it. At least find an honorable charity. Right? There's a way for your money to still go. And that still is beneficiary driven. Right? It is not driven, believe it or not. It's not driven on what you told six people. At a dinner party. It doesn't work that way. It's basically your set of rules, what youth decided, but it is written down. Here's another fun story. <laughs> I think this is, this is kind of, uh, I don't know, I, I like this because this goes to show the flexibility. And what they did is they, the client left the money to a trust and then inside of there required the kids to do certain things. Once a year, on her birthday, because her husband had predeceased her on her birthday, the kids were required to do an act of service. They had to videotape themselves and they had to get something signed. I mean, these are 40, 50, 60 year olds. They had to do acts of service and they had to get a letter signed by the, whoever was in charge on her birthday and then had to give it to the attorney before the attorney would give them any money. I think that's a great idea. Right? It reminds them whose money was this again? It reminds them that you're not entitled to anything. So these are times when you get to make the decision. You can build it any way you want. You can have certain requirements, certain rules, or no rules. And here's a, a good example of somebody that, that really, I, I don't know, I guess the world can shock you every once in a while. But a lady was in my office. She brought her son. It was, her, I think, her second visit with me. And she brought her son and... He said, uh, I'm glad I was able to come today. I said, great. He says, I want you to convince my mom. You need to tell her that she needs to give me $10,000. I said, well, what are you going to do with $10,000? He was a perfectly healthy man. Seemed pretty smart. He says, well, uh, I needed to pay off some of my bills. I said, well, what kind of work do you do? He goes, well, I'm in between jobs. I go, that means you're unemployed? And he looked at me with you know, stern. I said, he said, yeah. I said, well, what are you going to do with your time? What, what do you do every day? He says, well, right now I'm looking for work. I said, well, your job when you don't have a job is to find a job. That means you wake up, you're out of the house at 8 a.m., you don't return until 5 p.m. Well, you go to the internet, that's okay, that's fine. I don't care how you send out resumes. You knock on doors, you go to classes, you get better. He says, well, if my mom doesn't give me $10,000 right now, I will not take care of her when she gets old. I said, but you're the only child. You're the one that's going to inherit all the money anyway. It doesn't matter. And he starts screaming at her in my office. And that doesn't work for me. So we put an end to that rather quickly. And then it was time for him to leave. Maybe sooner than he thought he should. But it was time for him to leave. And I thought, wow. If there isn't a time for her to do a trust and have somebody else be the beneficiary, it isn't until now. So I don't know your situation, 
but I do know you need to do a beneficiary check because your family, if you want them to have the money, you need to make sure they have it. The houses, the cars, I don't care, whatever it is, you need to make sure that their name is on it because I have seen countless times whether the companies have changed hands, right? Remember, as I mentioned, INGs become Vanguard, whatever. They don't always carry over the beneficiaries for whatever reason. All right, so do those checkups. When we come back, we're going to get into Roth IRAs, how I think that is the new sexiest, best way for you to save money in 2020. I'm Eric Hallaby. Stay with me as we get, come back at the end of the pro, at the end of the break. Triple eight ninety nine retire. We'll be right back at eight 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 nine nine seven three eight four seven. I'm Eric Hallaby. The Total Financial Hour on AM eight seventy. The answer. Security will help you live the life you dream. Learn about financial power, total financial hour. Hey guys, welcome to the program. I'm Eric Hallaby. Thanks for staying with me. The Total Financial Hour on AM870, The Answer. Talking about your family's finances. Okay, we're talking about Roth IRAs, but first let me give you the phone number, 888-99-RETIRE. That's 888-997-3847. We've talked about Roth IRAs before. It's pretty common, I think, in any financial conversation with anybody uh, because it's one of the better tools that we still have access to. It's kind of a bit surprising, actually, that that it allows people to set aside money, put money into a retirement account, but not pay taxes when you pull it out. In other words, as the dollars get larger, you are no longer required to It's called a required minimum distribution. You're no longer required to start taking money out. Now, listen, the SECURE Act of 2019 changed some of these rules a little bit. Rule number one is now you can can wait till age 72 to start taking money out, not 70 and a half. So 72, that's exciting. Number two, second rule that's pretty important, is it used to be once you were forced to start taking required minimum distributions, which was 70 and a half, Even though you were still working and had earned income, you were not allowed to put money into an IRA anymore. Nope, sorry, you couldn't add. Well, now you can. So two rules that were changed. One, traditional IRAs, you're allowed to put money in as long as you're working for as long as you're working. 70, 71, 72, 75, it doesn't matter, no changes. Hey guys, this is a big deal because you're allowed to continue to add to your retirement. Now, at 72, if it's a traditional IRA, then you are forced to start taking money out. That's okay. That That's kind of a bummer, especially if you didn't need it. But if the money is in a 401k and you own less than 5% of the company that you work for. So let's say you work for, you know, Acme uh, hair dryers and you don't own Acme hair dryers. You're just an employee there and you transfer your traditional IRA into your company's 401k plan, right? You do it a few years, I don't know, however long before. You you do not have a required minimum distribution with that company's plan until you quit. So, and yet you can still put money into a Roth IRA. So what is a Roth, R-O-T-H? What does that mean? 
Well, first of all, it's the last name of the senator that helped sign the bill and get this thing pushed through Congress. So, so that was a big deal for them. The other part of it that, that I think matters that most of us don't really think about is it's pre-tax money. That's what we're used to, right? You're used to 401k, 403b if you work for as a school teacher or a hospital, thrift savings plan if you're a federal employee, and on and on. There's about a half a dozen of these things. But the Roth IRA is not pre-tax. Just like the $20 in your purse or your pocket right now, it's already been taxed. Income tax we're talking about. Well, those dollars, that's what goes into the Roth IRA. And now you're allowed 6000 if you're 49 years and younger, $7,000 per year per person if you're 50 years or older or your spouse. So even if your spouse doesn't have earned income and you do, you are allowed to put in for her or him as well. Okay, it used to be called a spousal IRA and there was rules, etc. Today, they, they don't care. Both of you are allowed to put money in. And the Roth IRA, which is important to you and to your family, means you do not have to start withdrawing at any age. You can, but you don't have to. And if the Roth IRA has been open for at least five years, then you can take out the contributions that are in there. The interest has to stay till age 59 and a half. So a lot of these rules are a little bit kind of, I don't know, a little, little scary. You have to make sure that you're there at least, listen, at age 59 and a half, the earnings are taxable until you reach age 59 and a half, but it also has to have that five-year rule, okay? If the spouse is going to, to uh, inherit it, she or he, let's call it her for a moment, gets to treat the Roth IRA as her own. And this means she's going to be subject to the same distribution rules. Five years, 59 and a half for the interest. So to complete a spousal transfer, it's just a couple of forms. It's rather simple. And now the, the spouse, because it's treated as if it's hers, she can now designate her own beneficiary. Now, why does this matter to you? Because maybe you don't want her new husband or boyfriend, the pool man to be the, the pool boy to be uh, your your beneficiary, right? So you're going to have to figure this out. If you don't care, you're okay, listen, I'm, I'm dead. Let her have fun. Whatever she wants to do, she can give it to whoever she wants. Okay, that's fine. If you want it to be some, to, to go to your children, then put the, your children down as the beneficiaries. If you want it to go for her use for a period of time, and then after she passes, it goes to your children, then you can put that in your trust. And your attorney will help you break that down. And listen, as a financial professional, we, we deal with these types of requests all the time from the attorney. They're written out how the beneficiary should be titled. What do we do with them? Uh, and of course, they're usually pretty good about being uh, open for a quick phone call if there's any clarification that's needed. But, but we do this enough times to where it's not a big deal. But I do want you to know that your financial professional should be working with your, your estate planning attorney. Okay, that is a that is a must, so that the titling of your accounts, and the and the titling of the beneficiaries, so not just the top, you know the 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 registration of the accounts, but the beneficiary of your accounts, that they're done properly. Okay, so this is important now. Uh, earnings are taxable unless you reach the five year rule. 
So you're not going to be subject to the 10% withdrawal penalty. But this is a big deal. Distributions are going to be spread out over your life expectancy. If you want them to be spread out, you can do that. But for non-beneficiaries, IRAs, they don't get to hold them forever. They're going to have to start taking required minimum distributions. Okay, so now that this new rule is a 10-year rule, meaning you're going to have to have everything out in 10 years, check with your financial professional. Does this affect my Roth? Because here's what used to happen. You would inherit a traditional IRA or somebody's 401k. We would be able to do what's called a stretch IRA, which means as long as you took out a minimum amount, we could keep that thing going for 15, 20, 30 years. It didn't matter. You can take out more per month. You just couldn't take out less. Okay, now we spread it out over your lifetime. Life is good. The problem comes in when you go through this period of time and you you get there and you say, okay, now I'm, you know, I want more money out of the account. Well, it's taxable at what, we're talking traditional IRA, it's taxable at whatever your bracket is at that time. So what a lot of people do is they kind of use that as a, as a minimum distribution. They take it while they're still in California, while they're still in a high tax bracket, while they're still paying California state taxes. And then once they leave California or they're in a lower tax bracket or both, eh, now they take it all. A Roth IRA does not have that impact on the rest of your your taxes because non-spouse inheritors, right, people that inherit it would be including your children, your grandchildren, family members, friends, and they have three options when they inherit a Roth IRA. Number one, they can open an inherited IRA and take it out over their life expectancy, meaning they still have that required minimum. Even though it's not a taxable amount, they have to liquidate that Roth. My recommendation is you open up your own Roth. Make sure you have earned income. You have to have earned income. So whatever you receive, you just transfer it over now into your own name. You still have to liquidate one account, but think of two buckets. One is going down while one is going up. But you have to have earned income. Okay. And it must be, you must begin taking money out the year by December 31st, after the year after they passed away. So in other words, if somebody passes away in June, you have until the following year, December 31st, to start withdrawing money under the life expectancy. And you spread it out over your lifetime. It's great. A lot of money. Spread it out. Life is good. Now, you can withdraw the contributions at any time. Earnings are taxable unless that five-year rule is met. So they have to have had it open for five years. But there isn't any 10% withdrawal penalty, nothing like that. And the assets in the account can continue to grow tax-free. Don't we love those words? You can designate your own beneficiary. That's important because maybe you want your spouse to be the beneficiary or your children. Here's another option. Hey, they uh, they can open an inherited IRA and just start taking everything out over five years. Right? Doesn't matter. So in other words, if they don't start the required minimum, if you don't start taking out pieces under the at least the amount, you don't have to take it out year one. You don't have to take it out year two. But by the end of year five, you have to have everything out of that account. So zero year, you know, nothing. One year, nothing. Two, three, four. Five years and five minutes, that account has to have a zero balance. Very important. Okay, here's another option. 
with a lump sum distribution. Hey, somebody passed away. It's a Roth IRA. I'm going to need the money. I want the money to live on. Just give me the cash. I'm buying a boat, a house, a car. It doesn't matter. They can ask for one check. Give me everything. But if the account was open for less than five years, then it's taxable. The earnings are taxable. So I need you to get the account started. It doesn't... Now, listen, here's the trick with this. I don't know if it's the right word is trick, but here's the way it works. The deposit you put in yesterday and you pass away tomorrow, that doesn't have to sit there five years, but the account had to been open, even if it had a $10 balance. It had to be open for five years. So they don't care. And we've had attorneys give us opinions that say, if the account is transferred from one to another, it goes back to the original account. So if that original account, if it was a Roth IRA 12 years ago, but you transferred it two years ago, according to some of the, well, all of the attorneys that we've spoken to, they said, oh yeah, that still counts under the five-year rule. It's been open 12 years. So very important that you look to see how this breaks down and, and how you can manage because this Roth IRA change, it, it, it's not going to hurt you. In fact, it's a good thing. Now, what about a Roth 401k? For many of you, you have a Roth 401k option at work. Here's how it works. The Roth 401k, which is the employer version, allows you to put in a lot more money, 19000 if you are 49 and younger, 25000 if you are 50 years and older. So whatever you earn, you're allowed to put in 25000 if you're 51. You do not receive the tax break today on it, though. That's it. Just like the $20 in your pocket, the Roth 401k, your contributions, they are taxed at today's rate, grow tax-deferred, withdraw tax-free. The employer, if the employer does a match or does a profit sharing or there's a cash balance plan or something like that, where they are putting in their own money, a matching or something, those dollars that are matched cannot go into the Roth. They have to go into the traditional, which means you're not paying taxes today, but you will have two separate sub-accounts. I know I'm getting a bit confusing. Forgive me. But you need to know this. If your employer has a plan, you have two separate sub-accounts. Okay? That is a big deal because they don't want you to mix them. So when you leave and you're going to transfer them into your own IRAs, you're going to have to open two IRAs, a Roth IRA and a traditional IRA. Now, you might say, gosh, if it's already getting confusing and, and I don't have a whiteboard and, and I don't have uh, you know puppets, hand puppets, whatever. Okay, I get it. Then here's what I want you to do. You need to go, call our office, and come in. And I'll break it down for you. If I can help you, it'd be my pleasure. If not, that's okay too. But at least we can break it down and maybe make a difference. And that's 888 that's 888-997-3847, 888-997-3847. Okay, so get a hold of me. One of the things we've been talking about a lot over the years is student debt. Okay, that's a big deal. Because the student loan debt, uh, most students that have student loan debt, they will tell you they don't expect to pay it back. Some will tell you they expect the government to forgive it. That's why they just turn on the faucet and take as much as they want. Some will tell you that they expect their parents to pay it. 
Some think they're going to die with it. None of it is extremely, you know, uplifting where you say, well, that sounds exciting. I can't wait. Most people will get to the place where they, I don't know, where they, they decide in their financial life that they're just not going to pay it. But let me tell you that I think that what I think is happening. The student loan debt world is going to collapse. It's just a prediction. And the student loan debt world that will collapse will do so, ready for this, very, very quickly. It's going to happen slowly, and then it will happen very quickly. And there will be panics, and people will think, well, why should I pay? Even people that can afford to pay are going to say, that's it. Why should I pay anymore? Because this person down the street isn't paying. Remember, does that sound familiar, housing crisis? Does it sound familiar, people walking away from their six rental properties? Does it sound familiar where people took out cash from their houses and filed bankruptcy or let it go? If Congress decides to allow people to file bankruptcy on student loans, which is what I think they're going to do, I think you're going to see the floodgates open. Now, this is just my opinion. It could be anything. It could be any, any ideas. But I think that's one way that they're going to try to, to appease the masses. Because if you don't appease the masses, then you get uh, you know, revolts. People get thrown out of office, and it's horrible. So consider that as, as the next, in my uh, opinion, the next up-and-coming crisis. And we've talked about this for a long time because it has hit over a trillion dollars. Well, now we're knocking on, ready for this? By the end of the year, I expect us to have a closer to two T, ready for T, trillion dollars in student loan debt. Because the only way to fix this, the only way, in my opinion, ready for this, if they made me king for a day, you go to the colleges and universities and you say, hey guys, here's the deal. You have an amazing product. Oh, yes, we have an amazing product. We, our students are so smart. We only let the smart ones you know, in, says Harvard or Yale. Great. So here's the deal. Any of you that want any federal aid or student loans, you have to guarantee the student's success. And they will say, well, we can't do that. No problem. Then here's what we'll do. You don't get any federal money. You guarantee the, the loans. In other words, you have to pay for them. And the student pays you back. And I think there will be a consolidation of colleges and universities. I think across the board, colleges and universities are going to consolidate as they have already been happening all around, from the south to the northeast to the west. Community colleges are being absorbed by some of the state colleges. State colleges are just being uh, disbanded. Private schools are being disbanded. Now, this is the trickle. Can we fix it all? Well, maybe. Maybe. I don't think so, because it takes politicians with courage, and, and I don't see any group onesies, twosies. There are some, but there's nobody with really any courage out there, because look, who wants to be yelled at or called a racist? Everything is racist, right? If I want to control you, if I want to shut down your ideas, I just call you a racist or a bigot or a homophobe. That's it. Now you are worthless. Now you, your words are nothing. You are a despicable human being. Why? Because I just said that you were. And that's it. It's over. So I don't think politicians or, or anybody with any courage is going to step up because nobody wants to be called those names. And instead of people challenging it, 
right? The Democrats are learning. They can actually challenge this stuff, right? You had, you had on tape. You couldn't have get, had it any better. Audio and videotape. The governor of Virginia, the governor of Virginia talking about how he would kill babies. It, not abortion. Killing babies. So wherever you fit, oh, eight months, nine months, ten months, I don't know, whenever a baby is supposed to be a baby, right? I have my own personal views, and it happened a lot, a lot sooner than, than birth. But this is after birth. And the politician, the governor says, well, you know, we're going to make them comfortable and we're going to figure, what? That's the same. And then nobody had any courage to throw this man out on, on his ear. So he starts, he goes, oh, really? How emboldened is he? So now what he does, he goes down the next road and says, I'm going to take your gun. Do you not think Gavin Newsom is right behind? He's taking notes. Because you guys didn't throw him out. I say you guys, the folks in Virginia. You know who who is who, who got the worst end of this whole deal? Al Franken. I feel so sorry for him. If he would have stayed in, you'd still be calling him senator. You know, he would have lost some sort of, you know, position on committees and been yelled at a little bit and then filtered back in, said sorry, went to a class, read a book, took some time to reflect. All the BS that people do. And surprise, he's back. But he, he he resigned. He's like, no, that was the wrong thing to do. Got stuck on that one. And yet behind the scenes, who do you have? You have, you know, what is it? Says being Demo- a famous guy on TV t- says being Democrat is never having to say you're sorry. Is that, I think that's how it goes. Right. They talk about conspiracy theories. We're not going to. We're not going to have epic times because it's a paper full of conspiracy theories, says CNN. Excuse me. You spent almost three years with the conspiracy theory. And those same people who, who did that are still on TV. I don't know. I think Epic Times is a great newspaper. It's pretty fair. Pretty balanced, right? It's not Arif's newspaper. It's their own. And they do a pretty good darn good job, in my opinion. So I need you to go through. I need you to walk through. And realize that nobody is going to take care of your financial life. Nobody. Not the government. Certainly not your company. Not your union. If your union was honest, they would tell you, hey, here are our assets. We own, I'm just going to make up companies, but I'll bet I'm pretty darn close. We own Apple and Amazon and Google and General Motors and Ford. In other words, stop protesting your retirement account. Because the assets of the pension system are in the same capitalistic group that you hate, those greedy guys that have made your pension more valuable because they've grown the value in the asset, and yet you think the corporation is big and ugly. Well, they're the ones that are controlling your pension. How do you think you still have one? What, because they put it in a drawer and said, oh, this is local XYZ, forget it? Guys, this is your retirement. In my opinion, consider the Roth IRA. It's a very strong way to still own and control the asset. I like fixed indexed annuities. You know that if you listen to me for more than an hour, maybe more than 10 minutes. Why? Because you don't lose your principal. You don't go backwards. There aren't any fees. You don't have to pay fees. You you, you get reasonable rates of return. I don't know, between 0 and 10, 0 and 12% a year. 
If you think the, the market is going to do home runs and you're going to get double digits every single year, then great. Just we're probably not the right place for you. Take that risk. My job is to preserve what you've owned, have it grow in a reasonable way, have it be there for sure, no matter what, whatever happens with China or Democrats or Trump or, or Iran, whatever. It's to allow you to have peace of mind and to give you a systematic, steady stream of income. And then if you pass away, the money just goes to your family or friends or, or your spouse can continue the income if they want. If you put the, uh, the trust as the beneficiary, then that gets to decide. If you put the children, then they get to decide. Whoever you want. But our job is to not put your money at risk, promise all of these things. Oh, and by the way, psh, oh, yeah, we charge a fee on every single thing, says your broker. And even when you lose money, guess who still makes money? Your broker. They try to use big words. Well, what we do is we use an asset allocation model that diversifies through the formula of the system by taking a look at a dramatic uh, beta of the... Okay, so let me... Okay. Whew. So let me ask this. The market goes up. Do I make money? Yes, you do. Well, great. If it goes down, do I lose money? Yes, you do. And how about you, Mr. Broker? Do you always make money? Yes, I do. Enough said. You're the one that worked for this. Please protect it. That's what we're all about. 888-99-RETIRE. That's 888-997-3847. The Total Financial Hour. I'm Eric Hallaby. You can reach us at that number all week long. And you can, uh, of course, uh, reach out. And if you need help, maybe I can help you. Uh, if not, if it's just a quick conversation, I'm there for you as well. 888-99-RETIRE. I want to thank you for being part of the Total Financial Hour on AM870. The answer, 888-99-RETIRE. I'm Eric Hallaby. Have a great day. Learn about financial power, total financial hour.